Matthew chapter 9. Jesus the shepherd tonight. This is the fa a favorite passage of a lot of people when it comes to missions. You're probably familiar with it. Let me read the text for you. I'm going to actually read the whole thing. Matthew 9, 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages. And this is what he did, the three participles. Teaching in their synagogues. Proclaiming, ing, the gospel of the kingdom. Healing. Every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, weary and scattered, different translations, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous or plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Let me keep going a little bit. And he called to him his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out. To heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles are, and you can you know them. Verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, and enter to no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Verse 16. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. wolves so be wise as serpents, and innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts, flog you in their synagogues, and you will be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. The uh, slide I'm going to put up next is uh, about the thematic, a thematic study, if you were, about shepherd in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, I, I want to build up to it because you're probably familiar with this text. Um, they were like sheep having no shepherd. I'm going to give you a little bit more understanding about where that comes from and why it's vital and why it was said of this Jesus and what the ministry he had. Shepherd is a pretty big theme in Matthew's gospel. And I'm going to have you look up all of these with me because I think they build on one another. And so let me show you what kind of shepherd Jesus is. Number one, you can see it up there. Jesus, the royal shepherd, Matthew 2, 6 says, and what you're going to see there is this stretches all the way, the theme from chapter 2 to chapter 26. So basically from the very beginning of the gospel to the end of the gospel, Jesus is described in one way, shape, or form as a shepherd. This one's a royal shepherd because it says, and you Bethlehem in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For, you, for out of you or from you shall come a ruler, notice, who will shepherd my people Israel. That's a quotation from Micah 5. All right? And so he's going to shepherd my people Israel. So what kind of shepherd is Jesus? Well, he is a royal one, meaning he's the Davidic one. Because like David, he's from Bethlehem. Like David, he is going to be the king. In fact, all throughout Matthew's Gospels, the blind man calls out to him, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus was the rightful king. 
So when it says that he's a shepherd, like David first was a shepherd before he became a king, Jesus is the shepherd, right? Peter would go on to say in his epistle that he is the shepherd of our souls. So there's even more to it than obviously shepherding real sheep. This is a spiritual analogy that uh, is used all throughout the New Testament, and particularly in Matthew's gospel. Hold your finger here before we go to another one. Let me just point something out and turn back to, I'm not sure if you're familiar with this, but Ezekiel chapter 34. Turn back to Ezekiel chapter 34 in the Old Testament. Remember the little phrase, and we're going to look at other ones, so we're going to be redundant a little bit with one of the slides coming up. But I want you to see what's happening in this chapter. Ezekiel 34, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. So what I want you to see, and I'm going to prove it to you in the text, when we go back to Matthew 9 in a minute, is when Jesus is called a shepherd in chapter 9, it is not only talking about the kind of shepherd he is, but it's a contrast between him and the religious leaders of what kind of shepherds they are. He is the true shepherd, and you're going to see that they are false shepherds. And he cares about his sheep. He feeds them. That's, remember the part of simple? That's why I didn't skip that verse. Teaching, preaching, healing. You're going to see in Ezekiel 34, the real true shepherd, later on in Ezekiel 34, it says the one shepherd that's going to come. And by the way, this was referring to God in the Old Testament. So when Jesus is called the shepherd in the New Testament, it is an allusion to his deity. So you see a royal shepherd, yes, but he's also a deity shepherd. He is the God shepherd. And he is all that God is. But it's a contrast between Jesus, the good shepherd, and the false shepherds. Let me read on. He says, Thus says the Lord God, Ah, shepherds of Israel who have been feeding yourselves, should not shepherds feed the sheep? In other words, they were only interested in themselves, just like the religious leaders of Jesus in his day. You eat the fat, you clothe yourselves with wool, you slaughter the fat ones, but you do not feed the sheep. The weak you have not strengthened, the sick you have not healed, which Jesus did. The injured you have not bound up, the strayed you have not brought back, the lost you have not sought. Remember Jesus told about Zacchaeus, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. This is a part of this verse. It says you have not brought them back, you have not... The lost you have not sought, and with force and harshness you have ruled them. Remember the verse in the New King James? King James says, and they were scattered abroad. Well, it's that word scattered is used all over Ezekiel 34. So they were scattered. Here's why. Ready? Because our text says, because there was no shepherd. All right? So the reason is that Jesus had to come, the purpose of his mission, the reason why they were lost and he had to seek them was because the religious leaders were false shepherds. They were only cared about themselves, and nobody was pointing them to the truth. Later on in Ezekiel 34, if you look there in verse 8, it says, if I can see it here, he says, As I live, declares the Lord God, surely because my sheep have become a prey, my sheep have become food for all the wild beasts. Again, underline it, second time, since there was no shepherd. They were in such bad condition, and the reason is prophetically, as they had no shepherd. But this text tells us that one day, a real shepherd, the true shepherd, the one shepherd will come and he will actually love and take care of his people. So Jesus, number one, is the royal shepherd. Number two, our text, we're going to skip over it because that's our text tonight. 
He is the serving shepherd. I'm going to show you what it means to be the shepherd of the sheep and how that affects missions and you and me. Thirdly, he is the merciful shepherd. Matthew 15, if you'll turn there. In chapter 10, remember what Jesus, I read, I have only come to, don't go to the Samaritans, Jesus said. Don't go into anybody's house. Go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was his mission. Okay? So he was mainly there for Jewish people. But look what Jesus says. What kind of shepherd is he? Well, he's merciful. There's a Canaanite woman who's a Gentile, comes to him. And Jesus went away from there, verse 21, and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman, right, from the region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, the royal, the royal shepherd. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she's crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost House, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's the second time he said that in this book. But she came and knelt before him, saying, "Lord, help me." And he answered, "Is it not right to take the is it right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs? That's what they call Gentiles, the dogs." She said, "Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table." And he says, "Woman, I have, I mean, you have great faith." So here's Jesus. What kind of a shepherd is he? Well, he's merciful. He didn't come for the Gentiles in his mission, although it would happen later as a result of his mission. But even the Gentiles, the people that were dogs, the outsiders, the people that no one had any time for, Jesus took the time for her, and he helped her. Number four, this is why we go, chapter 25. If you'll turn there, verses 32 and 33. It's actually alluded to by Mariella, although she didn't intend to when she quoted the passage in Matthew 25 about being good to the least of these. 2531, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. And what kind of shepherd is he? Well, he will separate people from one another. Listen, as a shepherd, shep separates the sheep from the goats. So someday Jesus will be the, the shepherd who judges or the judgment shepherd. So someday Jesus is going to say, hey, here's what I do. Not only care for people, but someday I'm going to be the one who, with my rod and staff, I correct. I show you the difference. And, and, and what Mariella alluded to was the difference between sheep and goats on the day of judgment and how the shepherd separates them was not their theological distinctives. What she was referring to when she quoted it says, hey, when you did this to the least of my brother, but the goats, the people who were lost, the people, the shepherd separates forever. In fact, it says, and they will go into everlasting torment or punishment that was made for the devil. That's this passage. Verse 41 and 46. So what's the difference between those who go into everlasting punishment and those who have everlasting life? You know what it is? The way they treated people. He said, you did this for the least of my brethren. And, the other, and he says, hey, when did we do that? When you did it unto them, you did it unto me. But when you don't do it unto them, and you don't visit them in prison, and you don't help them, and you don't take care of them. You're not compassionate like the shepherd was. He says you're showing your true colors. And on that day, that'll be the separation. Imagine that, right? So Jesus will be the judging shepherd, ultimately. And why does he have the authority to be all of these shepherds? 
Last one, 26, 31. Matthew 26, 31. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Olives. Then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd. This is a quotation from Zechariah 12. And the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. So what kind of shepherd is he? Well, he's sacrificial. He's the one who dies on the cross, rises again on the third day. And Jesus said in John 10, did he not? I'm the good shepherd. And what does the good shepherd do? Uh, He gives his life for the sheep. No one takes my life from me, Jesus says. What does he say? I lay it down willingly. So he's sacrificially, substitutionally our Savior. That's the kind of shepherd he is. But you have to understand, that's the picture. And so it's really good when you study the Bible, and the Bible says, and they were like sheep having no shepherd. So you could say, well, I'm going to look up that theme and see if anything else in this book of the Bible has anything to do with shepherding. Because why is it that Jesus is pictured as a shepherd? Well, the point is, well, it does a lot of that. And if you don't see where our text, 936, fits into that, you won't get the full picture how Jesus fulfills the prophecies. And he's the true shepherd in contrast to the shepherds that are false and what he does and how he's going to judge. And this is not just one thing he does, but it's going somewhere. Someday he'll judge and all of those things. And it's going somewhere because the shepherd's going to lay down his life. Because what we're going to find out in our passage tonight is the shepherd has his own sheep and those sheep are to be like him. That's missions. So guess what that means? So if he sacrifices himself, so will you. And how he serves and cares for others, so will you. So Jesus, isn't his cross is not just for us to be saved and cleansed and washed. In fact, you could probably quote it with me. In 1 Peter chapter 2, it says that Jesus has given us an example that we should follow in his steps. In other words, imitate his life. And what is his life? What's well, all those verses in 21 through 24 about Jesus? He didn't have any guile in his mouth when he was on the cross. When they reviled him, he did not revile in return. And, and all those things that they did this to him and he didn't do it back. And then it says this at the very end of that little paragraph. It says, and we were like sheep going astray. Isaiah 53, 6. And the Lord has laid on him, what? Yeah, it says, by your stripes we were healed. And then it says, you had gone away from the shepherd, and now you've returned to the bishop and shepherd of your soul. So here's here's what the Bible says. You made a U-turn, see, to the shepherd. He brought you back, and his cross did that. Now listen, that's what you do. That's what you're going to do. Follow my example. That's what Jesus would say. So let's go back to our text now, that we have the overview of the chapter. And let's see what Jesus has for us about missions. Remember, this is a context about Jesus is the shepherd, a good shepherd, in contrast to the false shepherds. Well, what kind of false shepherds are they? Notice in chapter 9 and verse 3 about the scribes. The scribes see the paralytic man, and Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. But what what do the scribes say? Oh, they're worried that Jesus, they think he's blaspheming. They don't really care about the paralytic man. They're just trying to catch Jesus because they are not good shepherds, the religious leaders. Chapter 9 and verse 11. And it says, 
And Judas reclined at the table. I'm sorry, Jesus reclined at the table. Behold, there were many tax collectors and sinners, and they were eating with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said, Why does your see they're not they don't care about seeing tax collectors and sinners get saved. They think Jesus has made a really bad social faux pas, so to speak, and he's eating with people who are unclean because they don't care about people. That's the Pharisees. Chapter 9 and verse 13, another story. It says, go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And then, I'm sorry, chapter 9 and verse 18. While he was saying these things, behold, a ruler came to him. My daughter just died. And so Jesus goes over and heals this man and his daughter, even though he was a ruler of the Pharisees. Chapter 9 and verse 34, right before our text. Nevertheless, they said, never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisee says, oh, he cast out demons by the prince of demons. So they watched all the miraculous things that Jesus did. And what was their conclusion? Well, he has to be doing it by the power of God. So my point in saying all those together is what the Bible makes it very clear leading up to our text. In contrast to Jesus, who's the good shepherd, and he heals, and he teaches, and he feeds them spiritually. The, what are they like? Well, they're people that don't care about people who are paralytic. They don't care about tax collectors and sinners. They're not really interested in people with the issue of blood because you're not supposed to touch them. But Jesus lets her touch him, and all, the, and all those things going on. And Jesus forgives their sins. He's willing to be called blasphemous. Why? Because there's a stark difference between him and everybody else. Next one, Steve. Like sheep who have no shepherd. Let's dig in a little bit more in this Bible study tonight and see where that comes from. Turn to Numbers 27. Numbers 27. Moses is saying to the Lord and praying in verse 16, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, appoint a man over the congregation who shall go out before them and come in before them, who shall lead them out, bring them that the congregation of the Lord may not be, what? Yeah, as a sheep that have no shepherd. So there's an understanding. That was a prayer of Moses that someday God would raise up a person that would go in and out and lead God's people so they wouldn't be shepherdless, right? 1 Kings twenty two seventeen. 17. And he said, I saw all Israel, remember that word, scattered, scattered on the mountains as sheep, that have no shepherd. So th there's another instance of the very phrase. That's how it saw Israel when they weren't getting spiritual leadership and guidance from the people and the prophets or the religious leaders of the day. Lastly, 2 Chronicles chapter 18 and verse 16. We've already looked at the Ezekiel passage. This is very similar to the one we just read. In fact, it is the same. And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountain as sheep that have no shepherd. They have no master, no one to lead them, no one to direct them, no one to fight for them and with them. So let's go back and read that into our Matthew 9 passage. 
How is Jesus different than the religious leaders? He has come to be the shepherd that they are not willing to be. Let's read it. So here's how he shepherds them. Goes throughout all the cities and villages. He's teaching, proclaiming, healing every disease, every affliction. Now imagine, I mean, even though there's maybe hundreds only in each village, that's a lot of time and a lot of care and a lot of patience, and Jesus takes the time to do all of that. What else do we know? Turn the next one, will you? What is he like? This is what you and I now begin to try to apply to our lives. What is Jesus like? Verse 36. Circle this little phrase. And when he saw the crowds, seeing like the shepherd. How does he see? He saw the multitudes. He saw the crowds. But in this chapter, seeing things are very big. It's a very big theme. Let me show you. This is not just an instance where Jesus saw a group of people who had need that were shepherdless. This is how he saw people, whether it was a large crowd, whether it was an individual person. Notice the the ones in this chapter. Chapter 9 and verse 2 says, And behold, some brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. Circle it. And when Jesus saw their faith, he was able to see what was in their hearts, their needs, not only physically, he could see past that, he could see beyond that, he could see beyond the exterior people to their real greatest needs spiritually. Now let me tell you, that's not easy to do, is it? I was in, have you been in the new Starbucks? No. Yeah, the new Starbucks yet down there? I, I'm not a, I'm really a Dunkin' Donuts person, mostly because I'm cheap, but I also like a little coffee with my cream and sugar, so I don't really like the strong Starbucks flavor. Sorry if that wrecks your day. But, um, but I went in there because I just wanted to go see what it looked like inside. So I went inside there today looking around a little bit. actually wasn't that great. But um, anyways, I walk in there, and I've been in the one that was before across the street. But every time I go in there, pretty much is there is a guy in there who is living and acting and dressing and looking like a girl. Every time. I, he t- took my order today. I'm sure you may not like that pronoun, but he took my order today. Now, when you look at him, it might be easy to go, oh, wow, how do you get there? How's that happen? You know, in your life, what's wrong with your thinking? Or It's easy to go those routes in your mind. But you know what? Jesus would say, he would see someone like that, and he would say, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can see beyond that. And I can see that you have a greater need than just what I can see on the outside. And I think Jesus would strike up conversations and he would try to reach out to them. I try to be as kind to him as I can and look him in the eye like I'm not thinking you're some strange person. um, And love them with the opportunity to build a bridge into their life for the gospel. I think Jesus would do that. You know why? Because he sees people differently. That's what it means to be the shepherd. He sees the sheep and he knows they're lost and he cares about it. it it's worth taking time. Chapter 9, verse 2, but also chapter 9 and verse 9. And th- now this is the story of Matthew, the tax collector. So he walks by the tax collector booth. He passes on, verse 9, and circle it again. He saw... See that little theme? He saw a man called Matthew. Now, see, different kind of social outcast than what I was talking about in Starbucks, so to speak. 
here, here's a guy who everybody hated. Um, he's a tax collector. He's in league with the Romans. He's ripping people off. He's turned his back on what Judaism is really all about. But Jesus sees him differently. I mean, he walks by and sees this guy not as someone to shun and avoid and stay away from and just, you know, try to get out of there as soon as he can. No, he says, oh, this guy is going to be my disciple. In fact, we hope we're reading his book tonight. I mean, Jesus saw in him what God wanted to do to change his life. And we read the Gospel of Matthew tonight because the shepherds saw him differently. You know? And that's not maybe something that we're as good as we ought to be. But shepherd-like tendencies are, I see people a little differently. Verse 22, same chapter. While he was saying these things, verse 18, I refer to this, a ruler came in, knelt before him. My daughter just died. Come and lay your hand on her and she'll live. Jesus rose. Behold, another woman, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood. She's, remember, 12 years. Know what this means. She can't, she can't go to synagogue. She can't be in a temple. She's unclean. She really, I'm not sure what her social or family life is even like because anything you sit on or touch when you have this kind of condition, is unclean. So she would make her family unclean. She would make her husband unclean. Her house would be unclean. I, I'm not sure how she's surviving. Um, Twelve years. That's incredible. Twelve years. Jesus sees all of that in her. And he says, and, and, and behold, she touches the fringe of his garment. Is talit. It's the, it's the, prayer shawl edge that hangs down. They still wear them today. Um, it was the same thing Malachi says. There's healing in his wings, talking about the Messiah, and the wings of your tassel, are, are the, of your prayer shawl, are the tassels that hang down. And she said, in her mind, thinking there's healing, if I could just get near them, I don't have to touch him. I just have to touch the corner of his prayer shawl. And she was right, and it healed her. Right? And it says... Um, she had 12 years had come behind, touched the fringe of his, and, and for she herself had said, if I only touch his garment, I'll be made well. Jesus turned and says, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And she was instantly well, the Bible says. But notice the Bible says, let me see if I got the right verse here. And Jesus saw her, that was at the very beginning of it. And he, so he sees people differently. I think it's verse 22. Jesus turned and seeing her. See that little phrase? Circle it right there in verse 22. So the point is, bringing up to our text, this is what Jesus is like. It's not just, hey, I see a big group of people and I feel bad that they have problems. No, Jesus' lifestyle was taking the time to see people differently and he, he acted on it. Now, you and I have to ask ourselves, how do I see people do I see people and condemn them? Do I see them judgmentally? They, somebody walks into church. What is, what is it like when I first see someone who has a lot of piercings? What is it like when I first see someone who has tattoos everywhere? When I first see someone who's just smoking or they look like they, you know, they have a, a bad life some, in some sort. It's easy for me to see them and to only see the surface. Jesus says, that's not the shepherd. That's not the shepherd. And so he says, this is what I'm like. So he saw the crowds, verse 36. He had compassion on them. And by the way, 
If you see like the shepherd, you will act like the shepherd because seeing people differently is nothing unless you act on it. He had compassion. He loved them. He did something about it. And he saw them because they were harassed and helpless. He saw that maybe people are like they are because of bad choices they've made. Maybe, maybe their situation is something that you don't even know about. Maybe they're hiding. Maybe they're trying to find their identity. And this is why they have the piercings. This is why they make the tattoos. This is why they're not figuring out which gender they really are. This is why they might be turning to be homosexual. Maybe this is, and this is why I drive this car. Why do I drive this $60,000 or $80,000 car? Why do I have to dress the way I do and wear the... You know why? Because Jesus had the ability to see, oh, they're, they're harassed and helpless. In other words, hey, they are not only what they are because of their own choices, but they weren't getting any spiritual help from the religious leaders. I mean, everything around them in their culture made it easier for them, not, not negating responsibility, but made it easy to influence them to make choices and go down the wrong roads. I don't know why Matthew became a tax collector. I don't know if it really blew his parents' mind. I don't know how he got down that road. But Jesus saw behind that. I don't know what it was like to go 12 years with an issue of blood and all that that meant socially. But Jesus felt it. See, that's why I think that we need to be able to see how Jesus sees, acts, act like he has. What motivates him? Well, he tells his disciples like he tells you and I. The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Can I have you hold to one more text? Can you turn over to chapter 13? There's only one other passage in all of Matthew's gospel that even talks about harvest. I want to add it to you because I think it motivates us to see people differently. Jesus says... In verse 26, 28, I'm sorry. He said to them, an enemy has done this. So the servant said to them, then you do what you want uh, to uh, go and gather them. But he said, no, lest in gathering the weeds, you root up the wheat along with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. It's the only other time. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned. But gather the wheat into my barn. So earlier he told him, this is what it means to sow the seed. This is the field is the world. The harvest is at the end of the age. So here, let me read that back into our text. The harvest is plentiful. In other words, listen, someday the judgment is coming. But before that final harvest happens, can I tell you this? There's a lot of people out there that don't know the Lord. There's a lot of people who are lost, and it's not just Israelites and he says, here's what it is, but the labors are few. And I would say this, that tells me not very many people see like Jesus sees. They are not acting with compassion on what they see in people. And that's why the harvest is so plentiful still. And the labor is so few because there aren't many people, God's people, who are following the example of the shepherd. He tells them, can I say one more thing and I'll, I'll let it go because we're almost done tonight. He says in verse 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep. Last slide, we got it up there. Nope, go back. We're not going to get to that one. Five animals. I just thought this was a clever way to think about it. Jesus says, right, no, they're sheep without a shepherd. First animal lesson. Then he says, remember the lady said, well, I'm a little dog. 
So Jesus loves lost sheep. He loves little dogs, Gentiles. So Jesus loves the people who are religious and got their orthodox views together. He likes Baptist people who come to church who are lost. Okay? He likes dogs. Dogs are the people who know they don't have it together and they're outside the religious thing. He loves them too. And then he says this, and I, I got to put this out there to you because uh, Jared was absolutely right. Remember he said the missionary thing isn't easy. Look what Jesus says. Behold, verse 16, I'm sending you out as sheep. See, you're my sheep, and like me, I'm your shepherd. You act like me, but I want you to tell you what, what you have to do. If you're going to see people like I see people, and I'm going to love people like the shepherd loves people, and you're going to love the kind of people that religiously got it together, i.e. Nicodemus, chapter 3 of John, chapter 4, the dogs like a Samaritan woman who doesn't have it together. If you're going to be able to see all kinds of people like that and act on it in compassion and be able to present the gospel to them because you know the harvest is coming when they're going to separate the wheat and the tares. You know all of that. Jesus says this, you're going to have to go out as sheep, what? In the midst of wolves. That's what it means for Missions Month. Missions Month is not going out and having it easy. Do you hear the video? That we find ourselves tending toward, what were the words? Comfort, ease, security, safety, as they flashed on the screen. And then he said, and it's quite the exact opposite. So what if I told you tonight that Jesus said, if you would be my sheep and be like the shepherd, and you begin to see like I see and have my heart and my love and my compassion, you go where I tell you to go. What if I told you this? By this time next year, if you're willing to do that, that you'll have won 20 people to Christ. How many would think that would be good? You'd be willing, you know I'm setting you up, don't you? But what if I told you this? To be like the shepherd and do all those things also means that in doing so, you'll have to go amongst the wolves. So you're going to come back and you'll be gimpy, little sheep limp going on, patchy with the fur, a couple bites in you, right? Jesus says, listen, here's the third animal. You will be among wolves. He warned us in the Beatitudes, didn't he? 715? That beware of false prophets who what? Go around in sheep's clothing. They look like it. But, but see, let me tell you, there's wolves inside the church and there's wolves outside the church. And it's dangerous business. In Romania, it won't be safe. It's not safe in Haiti. It's not safe in other places. It's not even safe in our schools sometimes here. Jesus says, I'm going to send you out. But what's the other two animals? You've got to be wise as a serpent and innocent as a dove. In other words, it's going to take creativity. It's going to take wisdom, discretion, discernment. You're going to have to be smart and know what the world is like and how to reach people and how to talk to people. It's going to take some work, but you're going to have to maintain your innocence. There is not reaching people by compromise, trying to be like the world. See, we have, in other words, be like the shepherd. But if you put all those little animals together, or those creatures together, you know, it kind of makes a nice little reminder of my job and my responsibility. If I'm going to be a sheep that follows my shepherd, 
then I, I got to understand my job in the mission because what Jesus does in chapter 10, read it for yourself with the first verses, he says, I, you know, I can, clean, I can cast out demons, so can you. I can do this, now I'm giving you that power. And what was the whole idea? What I was doing, what I'm doing, I'm giving to you. And two times, th- actually three times in this chapter, he says, I'm sending you out. God sent me, now I'm sending you. This is the mission that you and I have. Our mission is to be like the shepherd. Do me a favor, go home this week, take what I've started in this little Bible study tonight, and read more about what it meant for Jesus to be a shepherd in, John, in Matthew's gospel and beyond, and say, how am I, who am I shepherding? Who are some people that I'm working on and moving them along and kind of fighting off the wolves so they don't get them and so they don't lose their soul forever? How am I bringing them to show the compassion of Jesus? I'm feeding them the truth. I'm living a life and example before them. Am I doing that kind of soul shepherding with anybody else? See, that's missions. It's an investment. It's just not spontaneous once in a while when I get the chance. No, it's investing in caring about people every day in the way you see them and act toward them and minister to them. That's the shepherd Jesus was. And that's the kind of sheep he wants us to follow and be as well. Let's pray. Father, help us. Help us just remember some of the truths from this Bible study. We once, Master, were like sheep going astray. We had no shepherd. But then someone came into our lives and shepherded us, cared about us, gave us the truth showed us what it meant to see Jesus by the way they lived their lives. And they begin to teach us about the gospel. And by your mercy and grace, it has changed us forever. May we be like the shepherd. May we be like Jesus and live on mission with him and for him and for the good of others. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen.